I pray that your love, in, we're back in Philippians 1.9, I pray this, that your love may abound still more and more, in, and then he says, in knowledge and discernment. I'm like, how does love increase through knowledge? Well, I discovered something about that, a little, a little bit about that before we get way into that. The, the Bible says uh, in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7, uh, that uh, wisdom is the pr principal thing. Understanding is the principal thing. Whatever you acquire, whatever you're going to get, get understanding. Well, I found out in, in developing relationships with people, uh, particularly in my uh, secular vocation, when I would be put along somebody that uh, rubbed me the wrong way, that if I did not know how to reach this person and how to be in a relationship with a working relationship with this person, that if I prayed for them, the Lord would let me see them the way He sees them, and when I would see them the way He sees them, all of a sudden I could love them even if they were being unlovable. How many got someone in your life you're having to love that's just not very lovable? There's a few of you. You know what I'm talking about. So he says to love, that your love would abound through knowledge, through understanding. But then he goes on and he says through discernment. The Bible teaches us that we do not fight against flesh and blood. We don't war against flesh and blood. We war against principalities and powers. When there is a negative situation in the life of the believer, there's always a spirit driving that. Always. Now, whether that's an evil spirit or, or, or the spirit of the man that, that, is, uh, that, that is involved, the people that are involved, there's always a driving force behind it that is spiritual. I don't think anybody intentionally just wants to be, well, not too many people intentionally just want to be distasteful. And some people have found that's a comfortable place for them because they, they can motivate life around them and get what they want. And so they just are distasteful individuals and, and that's their personality structure. Well, that's, that's a spirit behind that. So the Bible says that we don't, we, our, our fight isn't against flesh and blood. Our challenge isn't against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people. So prayer and, and love begins to move and motivate and, and affect that situation. And every time, every, every time without fail, every time I went before the Lord and I prayed for someone where there was conflict or where there was difficulty, particularly if they, if they were in conflict with me, the Lord always dealt with me. He always says, you first. So if we are defensive... And if we are unwilling to take responsibility in the situation uh, for, for our part in it, then the Lord can't deal with anybody. And, and we become stiff-necked and immovable and, and uh, unable for Him to do anything in that situation. So He says through discernment. Well, what's discernment? Discernment is spiritual insight. Hebrews 5.14 says, Solid food belongs to those who are mature. Those who by reason of use, practice, have their senses exercised. What are your senses? Sight, smell, hearing, taste, feeling. The things that run through the soul of a man. Your senses 
are what the Holy Spirit uses to assist you to discern. We should teach on that sometime. That's a little different. Sometimes believers, we're afraid of our soul. We're afraid of our mind. Uh, we're afraid of our mind, will, and emotions. We're afraid of how that might affect the spiritual environment. Or we're afraid because we're supposed to be spirit-led. We start thinking that we're not supposed to receive anything from the mind, the will, and the emotions. We're just supposed to let the spirit lead us. But the reality of it is that through discernment, the spirit leads us through our mind, will, and emotions. Through our senses, leads us to discern and understand what's going on around us in the spirit realm. and in the lives of others to discern both good and evil. So I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but I want to tell you that discernment, what, helping you discern and understand, particularly always understanding that our fight is not against flesh and blood, so that your love can increase. Discerning the reality of a circumstance will help your love increase. Whenever you meet someone that's in a difficult place or uh, uh, in a difficult frame of mind or a difficult attitude and, and we just assume certain things, but rather than when we pray and we get understanding about them, our love for them can increase. The driving force behind every move of God is love. Everything, everything, everything in the kingdom that produces anything good flows through love. Why? Because God is love. That's his nature. That's who he is. That's his character. That's God. First, love. So the apostle says, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in discernment. Then what are you supposed to do with that knowledge and discernment? He goes on to say, he hasn't changed the subject. He goes on to say that you may approve the things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense. Talk a little bit about that. Approving excellent things. The Bible, the apostle said at one point, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency Christ be in us, poured out. I mean, we're just dirt. I'm just dirt. When they put me in the ground, the Bible says I'm going back to it. We'll just be dirt again. The Bible teaches us that when we get into eternity, we'll have a new body. Praise God. I will rejoice. But he says that we could prove excellent things. Well, let me share some things with you. We need to recognize when you look at someone, when we look at one another, we need to see that we've all been created in the image of God. You need to see Jesus. And if it's an unbeliever, you need to see the potential of the kingdom in that individual. If you will see that that individual has been created in the image of Christ, he, that, that they reflect the image of God and that there is a deposit that is in them from the Lord, that no one came into this earth without a deposit from God. And if we can see them through the eyes of faith and see them the way that God sees them, our love will increase. 
one of the most unique experiences I, because we get a lot of propaganda in, in the United States, a, a lot of propaganda about Muslim immigrants. How many of all of it ever, in terms of Muslim immigrants, just experienced a, a feeling of fear or a feeling of, uh, of distance because of the unknown related to Muslim individuals, particularly when you see them in their religious garb and they're in town and, 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 it, and they look down and they don't make eye contact with you and there's just this whole misunderstanding about, uh, about them. Well, when I was in Amsterdam, city's full of Muslim people, and I realized in that experience that those people that are living there have fled there to get away from the tensions of, of the Muslim experience that they were experiencing in the countries that they came from. And that not all, not, uh, this might make some Americans mad, I don't know, that not every Muslim wants to put a bomb under their burqa. Do you understand? You following me? They're all created in the image of God. They all need to receive the love of Jesus. They all need to receive people who will reach out and love them if they're open to receive that love. I'm just using that as one of the examples of places where we feel this distance whenever, if we will get the mind of Christ and if we will see through the eyes of love and see through the cross that even though we have such differences, we're still talking about someone that was created in the image of Christ. And we need to see through Christ and just ask him, if we have influence, and if we have access, why has he given us influence and access? So that, how, and how do we reach those individuals for Jesus? How do we love them for Jesus? That's all. That's the question. I'm not trying to be political. I don't care what you think about any of it. You think one thing, I think another. Let's figure out what God has in store. Because how many understand? We think this and we think that, but he's right. That's just an example. So we need to recognize and treasure. Look at what... Look at what uh, the Amplified said in this, in this particular verse 10 of Philippians 1. So that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent. That wisdom and discernment would be deposited in you as a believer so that you could recognize and discern what is excellent, what is good. Why do you want to re recognize what is good? Because if you know what is good, you know what is bad. It becomes very clear. When, when I was working in the, in the financial industry for a year or so, I was in a bank, and, and uh, they would practice with, uh, they wanted us to learn how to spot counterfeit money. And the way that they teach you to spot counterfeit money is they never put counterfeit money in your hand. Because if you only deal with the real stuff, the moment something that isn't real comes through your fingers, it doesn't feel the same when you touch it. So they never give you something counterfeit to feel. They only give you the real thing. They talk to you about what to watch for with counterfeit, but they never let you touch that which is not real. There's a spiritual principle in there for you. You need to touch what is real. 
You need to have in your hands what is real from the Lord. And when you have this in your hands, and when you have, uh, by reason of use, you have allowed the Word of God to be rooted in you and grounded in you and, and become a part of you, the moment that which is not from Him comes across your discerner, comes across your spirit, comes across your mind, your will, and your emotions, the moment that you step into what is not real, you go, oh, wait a minute, something's out of order. Because this, this doesn't feel like the real deal. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 19, the Lord said something to them, and I want you to hear what he said to them. Uh, in Jeremiah 15 verse 19, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, if you return to me, it's one of those ifs in Scripture, if you return to me, then I will bring you back, and you will stand before me. If you take out or divide from you that which is precious and that which is vile, that which is good and that which is bad, that which is clean and that which is unclean, that which is holy and that which is unholy. That's what God was saying to them. If you will go into your life, you return to me with the whole heart, and you say to me, all right, Lord, I'm going to walk with you in purity. I'm going to walk with you in holiness. I'm going to walk with you in a way that is pleasing to you. And to the best of my ability, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to sort out in my life that which is good and that which is not. And I'm going to embrace that which is good, and I'm going to do away with that which is not. This is, this is the practice of the life of the believer. This is this is how believers come to maturity. And when you begin to sort the good from the bad, the holy from the unholy in your own life, when you begin to say, Lord, sort me out. Just sort me out. And when God begins to sort you out, and you begin to let him sort you out, your love will increase. Because he'll pull the things out of you out of your personality structure and out of your, your, your uh, ex life experience that has put walls up. I thought it was so precious when Angela was singing this morning, break, tear down those walls. There's things that we just build, we just build walls around. We build walls around what we want to protect. We build walls around what we, we want. When we go to building walls emotionally, then we, that's shutting people out. It may be protecting you, but it's shutting out. God can't get anything into you through that wall. That wall needs to come down. So we build walls around our life, and then we're like, oh, God, move, do something good. And when he starts breaking down the walls, we're like, wait, not that! Don't tear down my wall. Yeah, that's right. Take it all away. Tear it down. So he says, this, listen to what he says. When you sort the good from the bad, the precious from the vile, the, the holy from the unholy, when you make that sort in your life and you give me access to do that, we understand in Christ that we can't do that on our own. We understand in Christ that if you try to do that on your own, it's just the work of the flesh and you'll mess it up. You can't do that on your own. I've never been able to deliver myself from anything. The Holy Spirit had to do the delivering, had to do the setting free. It's interesting to me how in some lives, uh, particularly dealing with 
people who, who have addictions or, or addictive personalities, in, in some, some folks come to Jesus and the Holy Spirit delivers them, bam, they never go back to that. Other people come and it's a process over the course of their life to come to places of freedom in some of those areas. Well, every one of us, there are things that God does in us and he does it immediately and there are other things that he walks us through a process with. Why does he do it different with one person than another? You know why? Because he knows you better than you do. He knows if you need the discipline of the process. We all need the discipline of the process in one way or another. So there are things that God has taken out of my life immediately, and there are things that over the process of knowing Him and loving Him and walking with Him, that those things get sorted out. And let me hear, I'll be the first one to tell you, they don't sort it out yet. He's still sorting me. The Holy Spirit's still helping to sort out those things out of my life and out of my attitude and out of my actions and my frame of mind. And I've never been able to do that alone. It's only with the help of the Holy Spirit. But you make a decision or a determination. The word in Jeremiah, he was saying to them, determine to sort the, 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 uh, the evil from the good, the, the evil from the vile. Determine to sort out of your life the clean and the unclean. Then the apostle talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. When he was talking to them, uh, we, we touched on this a few weeks back, when he was talking to them about some folks, some, some of those Christians were going into the temple and they were eating food offered to idols and they weren't feeling anything bad about it and, uh, and other folks, other believers were getting offended by it. How can you eat that stuff that's been offered to idols? How can you do that? And the apostle said in that context, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, he says, all things are lawful for me. It's not against the law. So all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Believers, it's time for you to understand there's some situations in your life that it's not about right and wrong and sin and righteousness. It's just that it's not helping you. It's not building you up. It's not building up your children. It's not building up your relationships. And it ought to be easy for us to define. If it's not building us up, then probably it's tearing us down. And so we don't need to get into the discussion of is God pleased with this or not? Is this right or is this wrong? You, if you have to ask, it's probably wrong. I've just discovered everyone who comes to me and says, Pastor, is this right or wrong? They're trying to find someone to agree with them that they can have the liberty to do what they want to do. Well, if the Holy Spirit's trying to sort that out of your life, let it go. But you know what I've discovered? When the apostles listen to these words, this is so beautiful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful or expedient. Some, some passages say, all things are lawful for me, but not all things build me up and edify me. How many of y'all got some things, you got some things going on in your life, they just, they're not building you up. I'm going to talk to the men in particular right now. If you're going to your computer and you're having, you're, you're having some experiences at your computer that you'd slam the top down if somebody walked in, that's not building you up. But only the Holy Spirit can bring you freedom in that area. You need to find another man of God in your life and you need to say, I'm struggling right here. Would you pray for me and would you help me? I need to come to freedom in that area because it's not, because, it's not building me up. 
It's certainly not helping my relationship with my wife. Okay, sidebar. Parentheses around that. That was just for you. No condemnation. Just come to freedom. So the apostle says there's just some things that don't edify. But listen to what he says. Let no one seek for himself. Is it okay for me to do this? Because I really would like to do this and I would like to... Is it okay for me to, to, to live this lifestyle? Is it okay for me to, to go ahead and live this way even though Scripture teaches otherwise? Well, you know what? The apostle says, would you quit worrying about you? No one seek his own way, but each one to the well-being of others. He just told them, don't let your liberty become a stumbling block for someone else. So don't let the areas that you take liberty become a stumbling block. You know what? You know when that happens? When we're self-centered. When we care more about us than we care about someone else. But when we begin to care about that, when our love is increased and we care about the body of Christ, we begin to think different. I realize as a pastor, there's just some things that, that as a pastor and as a leader in the kingdom of God, I simply cannot participate in because it would bring stumbling to the people that are watching my life. You as believers need to realize that there are people watching your life and you need to be more concerned about those individuals than you are about your own comfort and your own pleasure. That's what the apostles asking them to do. Just say, consider this. It was in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9 that he said, be careful that your liberty does not become a stumbling block to those that are weak. So he says, let your love increase through discernment and through wisdom, identifying and distinguishing excellent things. And then he goes on to say that you may be sincere and without, that you may be without offense. There's two sides of offense. You can be offended. And I just discovered that if you, if you give yourself if you allow within yourself the capacity to be injured, you will eventually be injured. We as believers just have to mature to the place and say, you are going to offend me. Come up in my face. Tell me you don't like me. I, you're not, I'm not going to live in offense because of what you say or what you think or what you feel. I'm just simply not going to be offended. I'm here to do what God called me to do. So does it hurt? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so foolish as to say hurtful words don't hurt. Yeah, they hurt. Sort them out, drop them off somewhere. But I don't think, particularly when he's talking about being sincere without offense, I think he's talking about without offending others. I don't think he's talking about your own offense. When he says things like, let no one seek his own, but each one the well-being of others. Be extra careful that your living doesn't become a stumbling block to those that are weak. And then he finishes that statement here, and I want to finish this with you. Being filled, listen to the end of this, let your love increase to the point that you are 
filled with fruits of righteousness. First thing my mind goes to when somebody talks about fruit is, is character. It's, it goes to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The Bible says, against such there is no law. There's no law against loving someone. There's no law against being patient with someone. There's no law against having self-control. There's no law against uh, gentleness. Isn't that wonderful? But that scripture says something else about the fruit of righteousness. And I'd like everyone in the room to just stir your faith for a minute. And I'd like you to reach out and grab this passage of scripture. Would you do that? Isaiah 32. In fact, I think you ought to memorize this. Isaiah 32, verse 17 and 18 says this. The work of righteousness, the fruit of righteousness, will be peace. Can I just speak prophetically? There's some of y'all that it has been a long time since you laid your head down at night and you had peace. I want to curse that frustration in your life right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak peace over your life and over your mind. But I'm telling you that there's some peace that only comes when you position yourself so that the fruit of righteousness can arise in your life. So he says, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance. Assurance. How long has it been since you laid down to go to sleep and there was assurance in your spirit that all is well? Even in the middle of the greatest of difficulty, all is well. God wants to communicate assurance to you. It is the fruit of righteousness. It is the fruit of being in relationship with him for a long period of time. It is the fruit of knowing him that you would have peace, that you'd have assurance. There's some folks in this church that before you came here, you had not felt loved in so long, and you know the assurance every Sunday morning. I'm going to walk through those doors somewhere before 10 o'clock, and there are people there that are going to put their arm around me, and they're going to love me, and they're going to, it, it's not going to matter to them that I failed this week. It's not, I have assurance in the midst of the body of Christ. It's the fruit of righteousness. I know that I'm loved in that place. I know that if I walk up to one of the brothers and sister, or sisters and begin to share the brokenness of my life, the, the, the result of that conversation is going to be love and prayer and encouragement and strength. It's the fruit of righteousness. Listen to what he says. Some of you need to hear this. Verse 18, my people will dwell in a peaceful habitation. Listen, I live in that promise. I live in that promise. People walk into our home and they, and they quite often they come in and they don't want to leave. Some have stayed really late. Why? peace. I remember when my kids were growing up and their friends would come over and they would say things like, oh, I wish I could live here. Why? Because they were in a peaceful habitation. No stress. 
peaceful habitation. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Some of you right now are living in circumstances where you wonder what things are going to look like next week or next month or next year. God did not design that for you. He desires you to live in secure dwelling places. He doesn't desire you to live in a way where you're wondering if it's all going to fall apart tomorrow. In a few minutes, the prayer teams are going to be up here. And I want those of you that are hearing those words and knowing that you need a life of peace and that you need a dwelling place that is secure and that you need your life to be in secure dwelling places. This message is for you this morning. The apostle prayed for you that your love would increase, that wisdom and discernment would arise in your life, that you would come to the place that the fruit of righteousness is being lived out in you. Secure dwelling places, peaceful dwelling places. Stand together this morning. I struggled with the cold this week and my voice is about gone. I'll go on voice, voice rest a little bit this afternoon until fairly night. But I want you to hear this. He's called you to a peaceful dwelling place. He's called you to an environment of love and strength. That's the body of Christ. It's the people around you. And it's you if you'll let it be. 